This is The Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. Our name is inspired by the life-changing conversation that Lydia had with Paul, recorded in Acts 16. On this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of women whose lives have also been impacted by the truth of the gospel. Your hosts, Tori Walker and Taryn Hayes, hope that you too will be challenged and inspired by how the gospel truths are being worked out in the lives of their guests, ordinary women who serve an extraordinary God. Today, your host is Tori Walker. This episode of The Lydia Project is brought to you by The Wandering Bookseller. The Wandering Bookseller is a great bookshop in Katoomba that sells all types of books and specialises in books for Christians and curious agnostics. It's a really interesting story how the bookshop came to be, and you'll hear about that in a future episode. But for now, what I want you to know is that if you go to their website, they are offering a 15% discount to the Lydia Project listeners on the five books that we're inviting you to read with us this year. I'll tell you more about the books at the end of this episode, but for now, all you need to remember is that if you would like to read these books with us or have a look at their website anyway, you need to head to wanderingbookseller.com.au and that's wandering as in going for a wander down the street, W-A-N-D. And right on the front page, there's a link to the Lydia Project, which will take you to a page that has the five books that we're inviting you to read with us this year. If you would like to purchase one or more of those books, follow the website. And if you want to buy any other books, you can as well. When you get to the checkout, if you enter the code LYDIA15, you'll get 15% discount off those five books. So that is a great deal. And yeah, we're really glad to be partnering with The Wandering Bookseller in that. All right, on to today's episode, and remember, stay listening at the end to hear a little bit more about those books. A lot of missionaries or cross-cultural workers are not where they want to be right now. Due to rising case numbers of COVID-19, a lot of them decided to go back to their home countries, or uh, it was decided for them, perhaps by their sending organisation or other people involved in where they were living. And so many missionaries or cross-cultural workers are living back in their home countries with a bit of uh, limbo, wanting to be with the people that they love and want to work amongst, but also knowing that there are many good reasons for them not to be in those countries at the moment. But it does raise the question, what would be some really good things to pray for our friends who are in that situation? It was a question that I had, and so I asked my friend Polly, who is one of those people in that situation, and she had a really thoughtful and helpful answer that has certainly helped me in my prayers for her family and for other missionaries that we pray for. So I hope it will help you um, understand the situation a little bit more and also help you in your prayers for people in that situation. I also really love um, hearing Polly talk about the people group that she and her family work amongst and the shame and honour culture and how Jesus speaks to that culture. It is a beautiful truth and a a beautiful answer. I just know you are going to have your heart warmed as you listen to it. Well, Polly, so great to have you as a guest on the Lydia Project. What led you first to trusting in Christ? I grew up in a Christian family. 
And so they instilled in me a very real and tangible awareness of God. And then I guess in through university, it sort of made up my own. I think that the really big thing that happened during uni was a trust and a faith in the Bible and, and its reliability and then it was something that I could stand on and something that I could really get to know Jesus through. Fantastic. And then soon after uni, I think you got married. Is that right? This is true. Yeah. yeah. Someone I met in uni through the Christian university uh, group there. Yeah. Excellent advertisement for the Christian group. It's a great place to find godly Christian partners in life. Indeed. And you guys ended up living and working overseas. Do you call yourselves missionaries? No, we don't. Okay. <laughs> it's actually, it's a word that feels a bit uncomfortable. We use the word cross-cultural worker. It has less, sometimes the, the M word carries a bit of baggage with it. So we go cross-cultural worker. Lovely. And you, as cross-cultural workers, you deliberately moved to live in a country where there wasn't much of a Christian witness. Yep. So we work somewhere along the Silk Road. That's one of the least, with least reach people groups there. And what kind of, I mean, you've got a couple of kids, you've got two boys. What does your life look like when you are living at your other home on the Silk Road? Life on the Silk Road, yeah. So where we are has been deliberately chosen because not only is it least reach people group, but there's also not very many other organisations that go there. The consequence, or one of the consequences of that is that there's no... Uh, international school or place that the boys can go to school so a lot of my time is taken up with homeschooling where part of the model that our organization uses is really getting deep within the culture and understanding their worldview um, because it's at that point if Jesus can enter in it then changes everything so part of that then is learning about culture and language so we spend a fair amount of time doing that there's a lot of time drinking tea and chatting with other women and just spending time and doing life together. And I also have been really blessed to be able to connect with families with kids with disabilities and really minister to them on a social, emotional, spiritual and physical level, which has been wonderful. Is the language really hard to pick up? Do you still feel like a baby or are you feeling like you're getting there? I'm getting there. I think I probably sound about an eight-year-old. So we're past really basic stuff, but not into high-level sort of <laughs> communication. Uh, as a language, it's quite nice. It's quite consistent with its rules and its sounds, so that's really nice. But it is very different to English. Mm. And so does that feel like, just does it feel like every interaction is hard work? on that thinking about the words that you need to be able to convey and express yourself or are you starting to get a bit more familiar? No. At, the, at the bizarre and your kind of basic level, hi, how are you going? That's really easy. If, as soon as you start getting into anything meaningful, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. That's okay. Yep. And obviously, well, not obviously, but you are not there now. You're back home in Australia and that is, I mean, I wanted to talk to you anyway, but that is particularly what I wanted to talk to you about today because I was praying for you guys and praying for a couple of other missionaries that I pray for, cross-cultural workers that I pray for. <laughs> and 
I just found my prayers were getting quite bland because I'll help them have a good time back at home, you know. And I thought, oh, what can I be praying for you guys whilst you're at home? And because of COVID, a lot of workers from overseas are at home. And I thought I wanted more sort of specific and helpful things that I could pray for, for you specifically, but also cross-cultural workers more generally who are at home. Firstly, before we get into what we can pray for, tell me a little bit about how you guys came home. Were you planning on being back here anyway, or was it a bit of a sudden departure? No, for us, we were actually already home and towards the end of our, our home assignment or furlough or deputation, whichever word you're familiar with, we had our tickets booked and we were due to leave on the 2nd of April and on the, I think about the 23rd of March, it all kind of shut down. Yeah, so we're, we're just here a lot longer than what we anticipated being. We had similar issues in terms of housing and whatnot because everything had been packed up and was moving on. So it was still a bit of a scramble from that side of things. But yes, we were already in Australia. So you were planning on going back to the Silk Road in April. Yeah. And so that's been a long time that you have been here unexpectedly. So with two boys and with being a mum and being in the community and being involved in church, I can imagine you've had things to keep you busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boredom's never an issue. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, with COVID, there'd be people saying, oh, I need a new hobby, I'm a bit bored, and I think anyone else with kids is going, no. <laughs> We're good there, we've got enough to do. How about your husband? What has he been up to in this extended time at home? Mm -hmm. So my husband is a teacher by training, more recently, certainly within English. But his passion has been really growing into a deepening understanding of the gospel through shame, honour, context and understanding. So he's been spending quite a lot of time both reading more with that and sort of in how that intersects with Muslim people and how it intersects with our specific people group and how does Jesus speak into that. So the shame on a culture is quite big or dominant for the people group that you work amongst. How does Jesus speak into that? Uh, Tori, I love, I, I am just so, so thankful that God has asked us to join him on this adventure with him because this is one of, there, there are so many perks to it <laughs> and this is one of them. So here in Australia, we are taught quite rightly that we are saved through Jesus' blood, that through that our sin is taken away and we are then righteous before God. Absolutely. But then when you come to a shame honour context, they don't, they don't have guilt the way that we have guilt. And so to talk about the fact that Jesus takes away your sin, it, it kind of, it's got nothing to sit on. For them, it's all about community and, and that shame. So when you talk about the fact that Jesus takes away your shame, that he restores you to a community with God, that you are right in that, it just, it adds this depth to the gospel that I, I hadn't fully appreciated. And I don't think I still don't fully appreciate, but we're, we're getting there. 
and that's it's a it's a glorious and beautiful thing. So yeah, it's one thing to have your sin wiped clean, to have your guilt paid for, to have the things that you did wrong dealt with. But I think it goes to a, another level to speak to your shame being taken away. That kind of deep and internal question of am I okay or the lie that actually no there is something fundamentally flawed within me to have that spoken to from a perspective of authoritative love and from the creator saying no you are mine and you are you are loved and to have that as just a really base level like foundational truth. Mm. It reminds me of the Romans 8 verse, you know, there is now no condemnation, that ongoing sense of liberation, that you are free and you can then relate to God as a a free person. It's so different, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. that's my running verse at the moment, actually. Awesome. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And so have you guys had the opportunity to share the gospel with people on the Silk Road? Not huge amounts. It's really hard to talk about the gospel when, you know, when you've got basic language. And it takes a while to develop the relationships to kind of to get to that point. But yes, we have. And this is where these discoveries have come from, where people that, because of interaction with our organisation over various years, they, they've heard the gospel through the guilt innocence frame, that kind of um, Jesus paying for your sin. But it was when we started talking about Jesus taking away your shame, it really, it hit something that hadn't hit before. And I was just like, oh. So there's two friends that we've been having these ongoing conversations with. And now they're both praying the name of Jesus because that's, that's where the power is. And that's where, <laughs> you know, that's when things happen. It's such an exciting and glorious thing to be a part of. It really is beautiful. Oh, that's so good. And are you busting to get back there? Yeah. It's it's actually a tricky and nuanced kind of (laughs) thought about going back. Do I want to connect with my sisters there? Absolutely. Yeah. The nuance? I was waiting for a but there. Uh, It's hard. So, and this is sort of one of the things that I was going to touch on in terms of how you pray for cross-cultural workers is to be praying for the places that they've come from. They're often not doing very well at all. So for our guys, the hospitals aren't hospitals anymore. They're quarantine places. And so if you actually need a hospital, you don't have one. There's a lot of death and you can't be with them to grieve in that through that process. There are people that you may not have been able to say goodbye to. Yeah. But yeah, so yes, you want to stand with your sisters through that. Do I want to willingly take my family into that? Uh, it, it's it's a hard, sometimes hard question to kind of answer straight up. <laughs> you know. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. Okay, so I I was the one that got sidetracked, but let's get back to what (laughs) we can pray for. So, yeah, please help me out. What can we be praying for for cross-cultural workers who are back at home? So I've kind of gone through the different areas 
of the different kind of groups that, are, that we're connected to, just to be very thorough about things. <laughs> For us ourselves, clarity, wisdom and trust are really big ones. Everybody at the moment is living with a heightened level of vagueness to their life. There are plans that have either been suspended or indefinitely postponed, or you don't know whether to cancel them. You don't know if you can make plans the way that you have done life previously, kind of you just can't at the moment. So we have that level of vagueness, but we have it operating in two countries. So it's a little bit more, we're, we're generally used to a bit more ambiguity in our life, but it's gone up a notch. And depending on your organisation, there might also be a lot of ambiguity about housing. Okay, I've got somewhere to live for this week or this month, but then the owners will come back and I need to find somewhere else to live. Finances can be really questionable. Will it continue? How long will it continue? Do I need to look for a job? What does that mean for supporters? That those kind of questions. Who and how I spend my time with. There's a lot of ambiguity about that. Do I throw myself into my church community knowing that in a month maybe I'll be going back? Or how do I maintain the relationships and continue to love and speak into the lives of the people that actually I'm connected with and I'm called to, to be with sort of how do I balance that time as well as homeschooling and <laughs> trying to pull together some kind of life here. Yeah, so I, I think both praying for the clarity, wisdom and trust. I think sometimes, depending on the relationship, reminding us of that can be really helpful too. Um, mm -hmm. but it depends on the, on the relationship. Mm. And so as part of that, while there is ambiguity, I think if you speak to most cross-cultural workers, they will tell you about how God's provided for them and done so, as always, in a timely way, often kind of at the 11th hour, but, <laughs> but it's there. And so please join with us in thanking him for his faithfulness in that. And many people have talked about the fact that while COVID has been this great shock to the whole world, it's not a shock to God. He knows what's going on. He knows where we would be in it. And he's, he's got this. Yeah, just remembering that. For our kids, they've gone through the same amount of transition as we have, but often with even less information. We don't have a lot of information and things happen quickly, but it's even worse for them. And even when, as parents, we're really switched on and working to help them process stuff, sometimes we just... It actually isn't the time because things happen so quickly. So both for their processing and transitioning, that they would feel settled where, where they are, just within the family unit. But if they're going to school now, that they can, you know, find, find a little group they can nestle in with. And just if for the, the parents to be supporting them through that and just to, to be, I guess, alert in how to love them through that. The... The people that we've come from or the places that we've come from, I spoke about before, so I won't go over that again. And the other one is for the organisations that we work for. They're often the ones that are making the tough call about whether to leave people in or pull them out or send them back or not, and then how to support them here. So they're big issues that have very real impact on people's lives and they're carrying that. So that, that would be the main areas, I think.
Holly, so helpful. Thank you so much. It's just really good to hear you talk about things that we can pray for, for you and for your family, practically, spiritually, and, and for your kids and for the wisdom for the people who are making decisions. And then, of course, the people that you've left. That's, that's actually really helpful. I, I can be a bit of a simple person sometimes. So hanging on to those four, that's actually really helpful. Thank you so much for explaining that. And I think they're kind of quite general, aren't they? And so they're, they're things that we can pray for all sorts of cross-cultural workers that we know. Just a bit more about the people that you've left on the Silk Road. You mentioned things were really hard for them and the hospitals have turned into quarantines. Obviously, our prayer is that they see Jesus somehow through all this. Do you, is there more that we can pray for? Yeah, sorry. Them? That was a point that I forgot. Thank you for reminding me. And that the seeds that were planted and the conversations that were had, that they would continue to be fruitful in their absence. Mm. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. Do you have, is, do they have the technology for you guys to have any conversations at all? So at least for our guys, WhatsApp is your prime mode of communication and that works wherever you are. So we can we continue to have those chats. It's sometimes a little bit awkward when they're talking about facing the hospitals, but like food, food shortages aren't a thing at the moment because it's summer and everyone grows their own vegetables. But come winter, everybody's been operating on credit for five months now. And so money's drying up, people can't pay for it. And then it, the, the whole supply chain kind of breaks down. So they're dealing with these really massive issues it, it's hard to feel like you can properly stand by them when life is actually really good for us here and it's so hard for them sometimes they're really good chats and sometimes they're just really superficial because i think the guys on the other end they're just life's hard and actually they don't want to they don't want to talk about their life and they don't want to hear about my life yeah yeah which you can yeah. understand and in terms of heading back, I know that the Australian government isn't letting all people leave Australia at the moment. What's their general attitude been to cross-cultural workers at this point? Do you have any idea? I suspect it depends a lot on the country that they're going to and the type of visa that they have. So we haven't pushed on it yet because our country isn't open to expats yet. But I suspect what the Australian government doesn't want to see is you going and then a month later say oh actually we need to come back and so they want to know that where you're going you'll stay and that you have the visa and the permission to do that everybody is feeling in limbo at the moment as you were saying we just can't even plan what we're doing next week because the regulations might change how are you coping with that sense of limbo and you're facing it in a far more intense sense in that you don't know where you'll be living in a year's time and perhaps sort of waiting to go back but not knowing how long that waiting period will be. How are you coping with that? Honestly, it'll depend on the week, Tori. <laughs> Sometimes it's fine. You kind of go, okay, this is where we're at. We just roll with that. This is what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing today. Awesome. <laughs> at other times, it's not so much what I'm doing but where do I belong, I think is more the question. And that's sometimes a bit harder to, to sit with. 
Thank you for sharing that, Polly. What keeps you going in Christ at the moment? What keeps you trusting that he's got all this in control? Having good friends that remind me of it. I'm a, I'm a big catch-up with trusted friends that so will go for a walk together or keep each other focused where we need to be, which is awesome. The other thing that I've found recently, or probably, probably like the last maybe year, is what I call breathing Jesus. It's a polyism. And so my background is in allied health. And so I'll often talk with clients about, about mindfulness, where you sort of, you focus, say, on your breath and you use that to focus. So it's doing mindfulness with Jesus. And I tell you, I've not found anything as restorative as that, truly, for quietening my soul. It, it is just wonderful. And I just sit and I, I, I breathe with Jesus and he can speak it. it it quietens my soul and it quietens it enough and for long enough that he can then speak into it as well. Can you just explain that a little bit more? So I'm, no, 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 it's totally fine. But I'm sort of picturing you maybe at the beginning of a time of, you know, reading the Bible or praying or something, just stopping and just breathing and being aware of your breath and sort of get rid of, getting rid of distractions is I feel yep. like that's only just the start of it. Can you explain a little bit more? Sure, sure. And to be honest, I don't, I don't focus on breath. That, that's just kind of, yeah, as you say, is how it starts. So I'll visualise something that I can kind of link to Jesus. Often it's the foot of the cross, but not always. And it'll often be, thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for your peace. And there'll be sort of two or three or four things that I'm going through and truly I'll, I guess, ruminate on those and just really meditate on those and just sit with that uh, and let it sink in because I can let things be in my head quite nicely, but it doesn't necessarily sink to my heart. So I'm giving it time and repetition to get there, really, to get to my heart and really sink in. It might be a verse or it might be a promise uh, or a truth or that kind of thing, and I, I meditate on that. I focus on that. Thank you for explaining that. And for those who can't see Polly, which I can as we're talking, the thank you, Jesus, was a breathe in and then the for your love was a breathe out. Obviously, that's not a rule, but that is how you... Yeah are doing it which yeah which is actually yeah helpful thank you I know that that's actually quite personal and thank you for sharing it because there are many people who do listen to this podcast and if that can be helpful for them then that's a real blessing so thank you for sharing that oh my pleasure if you find something that works it's good to share absolutely I'm not a particularly cognitive person so I find something body-based is really helpful I mean God talks the Bible talks about worshipping with with spirit and in truth or with your your mind and your soul and it's like the the whole the whole thing is in there <laughs> so i'm being being believer in getting your body involved yeah absolutely actually funny you should mention that because i've been thinking about that a bit i'm sure lots of people have doing so much church and growth group and encouragement online it's it's not real is it because we really are bodies and when we're actually together and can actually body to body there's a there's a wholeness that you can't quite get 
Absolutely. Online. Yeah. Online is a pretty good substitute. I'm very grateful that we've got it. But <laughs> yeah, agreed. Polly, how about a favourite Bible verse of yours at the moment? Have you got one that you could share with us? I have. It'll be repetition, but that's okay. A good one's Absolutely. a good one. No matter how many times it's said. <laughs> yeah, so Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus and the law of the sinner's death. Thank you so much for chatting with us on the Lydia Project today. Absolute honour and privilege. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Lydia Project. We would love you to share this episode with others, whether that be by word of mouth, social media, or leaving a review on iTunes. You can find us on most platforms using the handle at TLPCWCW. Music is Wholesome 7 by Dave Depper and voiceover is by me, Jennifer Mary. Hey, thanks for listening. Weren't those prayer points really helpful? We are actually going to include them in the show notes. So if in a couple of weeks you think, oh yeah, what were all those good things that she suggested we pray for? You can come back to this podcast, look it up in Podbean or in whatever app you listen to your podcasts in and somewhere you will find the show notes or just a bit more information about the episode and in there we'll have a list of the prep points that Polly mentioned. Just whilst I think of it actually every episode we have show notes and they're often linking the bible verses that were mentioned or books that might have been mentioned by our guests or maybe the website of an organisation that they've worked with or talked about or something like that so if ever you sort of think you want more information show notes very helpful but the reason why I would like to pop back in your ears is to tell you about the five books that we would like to invite you to read with us this year the rationale was I really wanted to get a bit more Christian book reading under my belt this year and I thought a great motivation for me personally would be to know that people were doing it with me and also we thought it might be good to have a bit of a virtual book club and be able to encourage each other in that way and then Taryn has had the brilliant idea that we could interview the authors or someone who has a special interest in the main topic of the book that we have chosen so we're just dovetailing everything in together. Anyway, here are the five books. They've been chosen to have a bit of a range of book types. So some books, um, the aim is to help us praise God and others are to help us in our ministry and the others are to encourage us in our Christian living. Okay, enough talk from me. Here are the books. Number one, and we'll be reading them in this order too. Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark Vrogop. I have actually finished this one. It is brilliant, transformational. If you're not convinced, have a look on the Gospel Coalition website where I have done a book review for it. And I'm super excited that we're going to be interviewing the author in a couple of months' time for that one. So that is a good one. The second one is Jen Wilkins' In His Image. It's an oldie but a good way, goodie. And... It's 10 ways that God calls us to reflect on his character. The third one, actually, I think I've 
got my order mixed up. Anyway, the third or the second is Beautifully Distinct, which is edited by Trillia Newbell. It's conversations with friends on faith, life and culture. I just know you are going to love this one and be stimulated by it. The fourth one is a book for non-Christians, so I thought it'd be a good one to read before I give to people. It's by Gary Miller and it's called Need to Know. And then the last one is called Growing Together, Taking Mentoring Beyond Small Talk and Prayer Requests by Melissa Kruger. As you can see, these are all really good books. And if you want to join with us in reading one or all five of them, I really encourage you to do that. I think we'll be blessed as we do that. And don't forget that you can pop onto the Wandering Bookseller website and get a 15% discount on all of these books. And you can also have a look at their website and see if there's anything else you want to purchase there as well. Mail order, super easy, really encourage you to do that. Now, another little update, I promise I will stop speaking soon. Another little update on Polly's situation is that as we were putting this episode together, we heard the good news that they had been approved to leave Australia. They had their flights organised and their visas sorted and they have made it back to the country that they really want to be living and working in. So that is brilliant. And then also to highlight the precarious nature and the up and down kind of life that they live just this week, I heard news that they were in the process of renewing their visas and unfortunately, all the paperwork has been rejected. So as you're listening to this, hopefully that situation will be sorted. But if you want to add that to your prayers for them, that would be brilliant. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.